Get the full bonfire experience on your screen. YouTube.com slash bonfire sports. Thumbs up, subscribe. You'll know when we're live. Enjoy the games. Let's get it going. It's a huge matchup in the West Division to kick off CFL Week 12. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming off their first loss of the season and a bye week host the Calgary Stampeders, their third and final regular season matchup this season. Welcome inside Bonfire Sports. It's game day Winnipeg. Uh, As we always do the day before the game, live at 3 o'clock, the legend to my virtual right, Chris Walby in the house. Bluto, how you doing? How was your bye week? It was a great bye week. Great bye week. It was nice to get away from it a little bit. I, I mean, we're not in the same, you know, uh, categories or the same need for a time off from, uh, like, you know, the, no. the physicality of the players. But it is nice just not to have to worry about coming back and doing a podcast or making sure I'm staying, uh, you know, up on top of it. I still watched all the games. Uh, the games were interesting. I, You know, I guess, you know, there's a lot of things happened last week. It's probably one of the most intriguing weeks for quarterbacks around the league and uh yeah i just it, it was just crazy time so to me it's nice to get back i love the fact that after a bye we're playing uh, a team that's on the rise i think but uh, also uh, what we're talking about the guy behind the center for them now is, is uh, a bit of a surprise to me yes his uh what do they call it? his worship the mayor jake mayor will start at quarterback not bo levi mitchell Thursday night here in Winnipeg at IG Field. It's country night. Uh, nearly 28,000 tickets have been sold. They could have easily eclipsed that in the last 24 hours, Chris. We're going to talk about Bo Levi and Jake Mayer. We're going to get into Nathan Rourke and his likely season-ending foot injury. He will have surgery in the coming days. How that changes the entire landscape and dynamic of the West Division. We'll get into um, the Blue Bombers' health situation as well as the rejuvenated run game, but maybe a pass game and pass protection that isn't exactly where it needs to be following two tough games against uh, the Montreal Alouettes' yeah. defensive front. But but let's start with the big picture, Chris. The Blue Bombers are 9-1. and one. They're coming off a bye. They have a home game, which is nice. They're also playing against a very, very good Calgary Stampeders team. I don't care what anybody says. The Stampeders are a good football team. They have three losses this year, one to Winnipeg, two to BC. The most recent to BC was a huge comeback and a one-point victory for a then-healthy Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions at McMahon. Uh, Now, no Nathan Rourke. They'll move on to Michael O'Connor. A lot of people are confident in Michael O'Connor, but we will have to see what the BC Lions are without their young superstar quarterback. And yeah. now the Calgary Stampeders are six and three. The Bombers are nine and one. I'm wondering if you agree with me, Chris. Must win games, like the true, true must win games come in November, obviously, when it's win or go home. Yeah. But right now, with how things are shaking out in the West, and the Bombers coming off their first loss of the season and a bye and it being a home game. Face the same team three times in 41 days, but I'm calling this a must-win game for Winnipeg. 
Yeah, I think they want to shake the cobwebs off. And you don't want to come off after a bye and, and you know, basically uh, be in the outhouse. So, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, they'll be ready. They've had a good week of practice. Listen to Coach O'Shea. The guys are energized. They're ready to get back on the field. They're ready to play, ready to get another paycheck. Uh, listen, Calgary is not a bad team. They've, they've been playing a couple different guys now. Obviously, I was looking at the lineup from the last time they played uh, to this time. They've got a new right tackle in Joshua Coker. They've got a new uh, uh, wide side cornerback in Natrell Jamerson. They like him a lot. Sean Bain, who might be one of the fastest guys in the CFL, opened the game against Toronto with an 80-yard touchdown. Just blew by the coverage. Uh, this kid is a game breaker. And uh, now they got, you know, they got him with Malik Henry, uh, Reggie Bedgerton, who's, you know, always a thorn in the side, Kamar Jordan. <clears throat> Yeah, Not I'm having the season you'd expect of him, but he's still a potential danger. Well, are you talking about Jordan? Uh, oh, no touchdowns. I mean, that's the crazy thing. A couple of years ago, he was in the MVP race uh, voting, and then he had yeah. that unfortunate leg injury. But, I mean, yeah, you're looking at the talent they have there. they got a good old line. Listen, they're, they lead the league only eight quarterback sacks against. I remember last time we talked about this, Derek Dennis is very vocal about saying he is so tired <laughs> about hearing about the Bombers O-line and how great they are. And he says, a lot of times you got to give respect to us. Listen, they're taking a page out of the Bombers book when they, when Andrew Harris was here. They've got, you know, their number one rushing team right now. They've got a guy who's back again uh, in uh, Kadeem Carey. Stud. Two games versus the Bombers. I marked it down. He's averaged 7.7 yards of carry and two touchdowns. 92 yards first game, 110 the second game. Just gets it done. This has got a great – and the guy they had replaced him, Mills, that guy's a beast as well. Uh, and yeah, he, and, or Peyton Logan. It was Peyton Logan uh, earlier. There's all all their – they're – as much as Calgary's been historically a quarterback factory, yeah. they are pumping out running back talent this year. It's it's crazy. They used to be rely on the pass. They really used to live on the pass. And now I think that uh, they, they have such a good running game and that O-line is teeing off on people. Uh, and I, it was interesting to, uh, to listen to uh, Dave Dickinson, the, the head coach of the Calgary. And he, he blamed, even though they were, they beat, came back and scored 19 unanswered points to come back to beat Toronto. Yeah. I mean, obviously that was late, you know, obviously Eli Buka with the big interception, but listen, he didn't like his play calling. He says, I got to look myself at, it. he says, I have got to look at myself. I didn't like the way I called that game. I probably put Bo Levi in a, in a tough situation. Obviously, Bowley by throwing a couple interceptions. Uh, then they replaced him, obviously, with uh, Jake Mayer. He throws an interception. But the fact is, he was 14-18. He moved the ball, led him to the winning drive. This kid's a pedigree. You know, he's a heck of a quarterback. I really like him. But uh, I, I want to digress, if I can, and go back to what we were talking about, and that is Nathan Rourke. Uh, the fact that you talked about this kid, 700 yards more passing than anybody, with a game less than a lot of teams. 25 mm -hmm. touchdown passes. He's had, I th I don't think he's had a game under 300 yards passing. Uh, he has know. as many 400 yard passing games yeah. this year than yeah. Bo Levi Mitchell has in his entire career. That I mean, number is unbelievable. What a stat. And it's it's going to be interesting because I was looking to, uh, listening to coach and it, that's why I like watching. So I, I go on the web and I listen to their coaches conference. I'm listening to head coach Rick Campbell out in BC. Mm -hmm. They really like Michael O'Connor. And, you know, yeah. looking at the guy, he's a big target. I mean, I didn't realize he's 6'5". This yeah. guy, I mean, he was a bad Penn State recruited him. 
Penn, Penn State know, recruited him before he came to Canada and won, yeah, a, won a venue. I think he was the most valuable player in the in yeah. the U uh, in the conference he played in. He's yeah. been around. He was with Calgary uh, before. Uh, I think he might have been with BC, if I'm not mistaken. But with, I can't. He was with Toronto. He was with Toronto, Toronto then BC. Go. But I think when he's in the scenario with he is with quarterbacks and John Huffnagel, GM, you know Dave Dickinson, the head coach, both quarterbacks in their history, you know, in their uh, resume, I think he's going to be all right. He, even if you listen to Michael Connor, he goes, I'm not Nathan Rourke. Don't try and compare me to Nathan Rourke. Everybody's going, well, even if he plays up to superstar status, will he be Nathan Rourke? Well, no, he's not. And he says, I just want to be Michael O'Connor. I'm looking for this kid to play pretty good tomorrow. Yeah, like, it'll be interesting to see how BC oh, fares. It'll be, I, I know what you're saying. Coming up yeah. uh, later this week. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how BC fares. Of course, they have uh, a rematch, if I'm not mistaken, with the Calgary Stampeders uh, on, uh, in Vancouver on Friday gotcha. night. That's the late Friday game. Saturday, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing, Chris. The injury to Nathan Rourke didn't just rock the CFL in that the most exciting player this yeah. league has seen in a long, long time, yeah. and maybe the front runner, probably the front runner for CFL MOP this season as a 24-year-old first-year starter. Uh, beyond that, it's changed everything in the West, as I mentioned right off the top of the show. Saskatchewan, I don't know if they're still in the conversation to, to, you know, maybe not be a crossover team or, or not miss the play. It really uh, depends on how Cody Fajardo gets through his health, but Calgary, Winnipeg and BC, like it used to be BC and Winnipeg and then maybe Calgary a little bit below because both of those teams had beaten Calgary. And now you're thinking, well, is BC still as powerful? Probably not. However, Wow. Calgary is now making a quarterback change. Bo Levi Mitchell has had one game this year where he looked like his old self as far as yardage and touchdown production. Outside of that, that was a game against Edmonton, I think, in week yeah. three. Outside of that, he has been a 170, 210-yard passer, uh, interceptions on par with touchdowns, no real punch, no real danger in the Calgary Stampeders passing game like we've seen. They moved to Jake Mayer. Chris, I think this is an upgrade. Sorry, Bo. Sorry, Stamps fans. You know, uh, sorry, not sorry. I think this is an upgrade. Jake Mayer, every time he stepped on the field, has shown to be a very, very good quarterback. Not a capable quarterback, a very good quarterback. May I remind Blue Bombers fans, the last time he played in Winnipeg, he went 16 of 16 in a stretch of time and went on to... Uh, uh, break a CFL record for like the most completions in a three game span versus uh, yep. incompletions. So the guy is, is a very, very good football player. I think Winnipeg needs to be careful. This is not a downgrade on Bo. I think this is an upgrade and Winnipeg needs to be ready. Yeah. See, I'm kind of a torn on this one because I'll be honest with you. Bo has done everything. He's a two time, most outstanding player. He's won the cup. He struggled. As you say, I think first four games, he was averaging, I think 275 yards passing the last five. 179. So obviously production's down, more interceptions and touchdowns, uh, you know, reason for concern. The thing I like about it, I think it's a great move by uh, head coach Dave Dickinson. Start mayor. Let's see how he does. I mean, if this guy really rocks and rolls, you know, and gets everything going, I mean, they stay with him. If he doesn't, not many teams have a backup like Bo Levi. And I, and I know Bo yep. Levi is biting at the bit already. If you watch his interview, he says, I will be back on the field, but I'm supporting Jake Mayer, right. we're you know we're we're happy. I mean, it's it's almost like the scenario in Saskatchewan. 
That was his Instagram post, right? And you know, the the backup's playing now. So, I mean, yeah, I I think sometimes you gotta, you gotta do something to, to shock your team into going the right direction. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think they were happy the way they played against Toronto. They just lucked out in that game. And like I said, if it wasn't for Eli Buka on that 62 yard interception touchdown to jackknife these guys back into the game. Yeah. They would have lost to Toronto. I mean, uh, I thought if you watched the, the game, the, the best guy to throw the ball was uh, was uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson. He was throwing the ball extremely well for Trump, but they just kept fumbling the ball. It was a game of turnovers for those in that during that game. But uh, I'll, I'll just go back and say this: I think Jake Meyer uh, Mayer is a good quarterback, mm-hmm. but he's got doesn't have a lot of experience. And I like what uh, you know, defense coordinator Richie Hall said: we don't. We don't take a, a play against a quarterback. We play against a system. He's been in the system for a couple of years now. They're not going to change the system with him. No, he, they don't know, need he, to. They, they don't have to. And one of the things I do like about Mayer is he's very accurate with his throws, reads the defense extremely well, gets rid of the football quick. I mean, it's just a good offensive line. If this offensive line was, say, like Hamilton's where they're, you know, or Saskatchewan's, oh, God forbid, Saskatchewan. No wonder for Jardo's running for his life. If I was yeah. for Jardo, I'd have three knee braces right now. Uh, but you know, uh, it's just, this is a good old line. This allows a quarterback to get comfortable. And, and like you said, the fact is they run the ball so extremely well that allows that offensive line to tee off instead of just, you know, rather the hammer rather than nail in the old adage. Right. So yeah. it, it'll be fascinating Thursday night to watch the blue bombers defense and the scheme that they decide to dial up against this Calgary Stampeders team for Jake Mayer. He is a veteran. He's played in games before. He started a number of games before. So I don't know if it's about making him uncomfortable any more than a team would try to make any opposing quarterback uncomfortable. I don't think Winnipeg's defensive game plan changes, but this is what's interesting to me, Chris. Um, I was told by some people coming out of that second game between the Bombers and the Stamps in Calgary that the Stamps didn't really have an answer for Winnipeg because Winnipeg played a little bit of possum the week before against Edmonton didn't show much squeaked through to a win on the road. But however, they went into Calgary and they dialed it up. And by that, I mean, they changed their game plan. They did things that the Stampeders were not expecting and they didn't have an answer for them. So in the third meeting, the rubber match between these two Western rivals uh, will be interesting to see how they jockey with, with one another. This I know for sure the stamps are going to be coming into town really, really fired up. They have not played their best football as of late. And to lose three times to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the team that has uh, effectively knocked them out of the the playoffs in the postseason in each of the last two years, um, you know, you don't want to lose three times to them because that's a huge psychological disadvantage if these two teams meet in the postseason. And they very likely will. And it's interesting when you say three times and and, and, and for the, the Calgary Stampeders to lose three key players. I mean, yeah. Jameer Thurman, uh, Titus Wall, who was well on the way to being another guy nominated from Calgary for Rookie of the Year. You know, mm-hmm. three interceptions, a couple of sacks, a touchdown. And then you got your starting center, Sean McEwen, who's out, yeah. and they're going to play Bryce Bell now, who was a backup guard the last time they played, who's now going to start at center. So, I mean, obviously I'm talking about good that O-line is, but obviously there's a new kink in there with the center not playing on a regular basis. So, I mean, but then you look at the Bombers. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but obviously Ellingson. And then you look at Janarian Grant, who was a game breaker. You know, we saw what he did. He just yeah. takes one up the middle for a touchdown. And then, of course, I think who, who else are they missing? 
Uh, Ray, uh, Cramdy is not playing. Um, Gener- yeah, Janerian Grant is and, and Greg Ellingson are the big ones. I'm just trying to pull up the bombers and stamp depth charts here. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's tough, but Winnipeg is healthier than they've been in a long time. I understand losing Greg Ellingson is, is a hit, but the receiving core should be fine. You know, they, they do have uh, very good players outside of Greg Ellingson. Of course, oh, yeah. there's Dalton Schoen, uh, Nick Dembski, uh, Rashid Bailey ha- has been uh, utilized at times this year and other times and not. Drew Latarski, I think, is having his best season as a yeah, professional. Absolutely. He's been excellent especially in second halves this year. He's been great. I think he's been a clutch player. Uh, he's a guy that I don't think they threw a ball enough to him. I don't think they looked at him and targeted him enough. Uh, right now, he's got over 27. He's got two catches over 30. He's got over 300 yards uh, receiving, but he's coming up with the big catches. Uh, obviously, we, we talk a lot about Rashid Bailey, who was uh, you know a star for these guys last year. Now, Dalton Schoen, who is – I just saw that uh, picture from the Bomber store. He's up here in half a year and already got a bunch of jerseys with his name on yeah. it, so it's – it's super. I mean, but you look at him, what he's done. Uh, we talked about this last time. He leads the leagues in 22nd, second down conversions. He's the guy that Zach goes to, uh, Kolaris looks for when they need that, to, you know, to move the sticks, move the chains. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's sad for Ellingson because, you know, he missed a bunch of games with Edmonton last year too, buddy. And then we come and we pick him up and he's a great receiver. But now he's on the second time. I think he's on the sixth game. Not once he can still yeah. come off, I believe. Yeah. But having having said that, that's a that's a big play guy. And, and listen, when you get up to a certain age, and you start having injuries on a regular basis, it right. does not, you know, look good for the future. So as far as not this year, but going forward, you always want to go younger uh, and cheaper. So you'll be interesting. Greg McRae, the Canadian, or pardon me, the American running back will start at slot back. Tavares Harrison is somebody who's dressed for a handful of games this season. Uh, otherwise, he's been on the practice roster. Big body guy, kind of reminds me of a Clarence Denmark type with maybe yeah. a few more inches of height and, and a little more length. Um, I, I expect him to maybe get his first ball thrown his way in a uh, regular season game. Um, and then, of course, uh, Dalton Schoen, uh kind of been moving everywhere. Uh, in the Blue Bombers receiving core. But, you know, this depth chart, it gives you a picture of who's in and who's not, but those receivers will move around uh, quite a bit. On the defensive side, uh, not too many changes. Brandon Alexander still working his way back from injury, has a piece up uh, in his own words on the Blue Bombers website, uh, kind of, you know, talking about his, his recovery, which has been a long road. Him and Noah Hallett working together uh, while the Blue Bombers practice. Um, Here is... Uh, Jamal Parker, who is a practice roster defensive back. He is going to handle kick and punt return duties, as you can see there, for yeah. the injured Janarian Grant. He's on the one-game injured list, so hopefully that's not something uh, too concerning for the Blue Bombers. But a couple changes, nothing too crazy. Uh, Chris, I, I do want to mention uh, at this point uh, a huge supporter of us here on Bonfire Sports, and it is... Uh, a team that is near and dear to me. And I know it is to you as well, because you and I have called their games uh, for their webcasts in the past, the Winnipeg rifles, junior football club. Uh, You can find tons of information, everything you need on riflesfootball.com. They're kicking off their home schedule this 
Sunday. They're going to be playing at Eastside Eagles Field. The Saskatoon Hilltops are coming to town. This is the elite level junior football in Canada. The Prairie Football Conference is the best conference in the country. It's better than BC. People will disagree with me, but I believe it is. It is definitely better than the Ontario Conference. It shows every year in the playoffs. The Rifles are poised to make a big move this year. They went toe-to-toe with Regina last week in Regina. Uh, They're expected to be the power of the league. The Rifles lost by two points, uh, and it came down to you know a penalty, a missed kick. Uh, It was a very close game, but this Sunday, August 28th, 1 o'clock kickoff at Eastside Eagles Field. That's right next to Terry Sawchuck Arena uh, and the Elmwood Kildonan's Pool, uh, just off of Concordia. Tickets are yeah. 15 bucks. Super affordable. Uh, if you bring your kids, everybody under 18 is free. It's great football. The Rifles are a great team. You're going to see another good team, too, in the Saskatoon Hilltops, who have won, what is it, like a dozen... Canada Bowl yeah, Championships, National program. Championships. Are a great program of sketch. And they, listen, uh, yeah. and, and junior football is near and dear to my heart. I think Jordy Wilson is doing a great job with the, with the rifles. Obviously, that's where I got my start with the Winnipeg Rods uh, when we used to have four teams here, the Hawkeyes, the Rods, the Lions, and the Mustangs. And uh, then they amalgamated and, you know, basically made the Winnipeg Rifles, which made us on par with Saskatchewan who only has had two teams all the time with Regina and Sask- uh, Saskatoon. So right. – I, I love the fact that they're doing there and I've got a lot of love for those guys. I mean, a lot of these kids, this is their beginning, right? This, they're, they're taking the first steps toward hopefully a pro career or something, or maybe even getting a scholarship and going down to the States. Uh, I mean, I played with the rods for two years and I ended up getting a scholarship. So uh, a lot of doors can open playing junior football. And as you say, uh, the Winnipeg uh, rifles have done a great job of recruiting and putting a great product on the field. Well, Chris, that's why when I met you, I knew I would like you because I played for the Rods as well in St. James. I did not get a scholarship out of that, though. So I went to uh, I went and paid for myself at school. That's kind of what what I had to do. What were you? Kicker? I played. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't you think that would have come out when me, you and uh, you and I and the kicker were were on the radio for the better part of a decade? That probably would have come out. You were. I want to guess that you were something on. I want to. For some reason, I want to say a receiver. I was. See? That's right. With the big myths. Oh, just ink on there. <laughs> big myths. Uh, but like, here's the thing: junior football. Like, there's a handful of junior football players on both of these teams yeah. right now. Mike Benson, the Blue Bombers' long snapper, ten years in the CFL. He played for the Winnipeg Rifles. Keenan LaFrance. We all know Andrew Harris and his path to Canadian yeah. Football Hall of Fame status through junior football in the BC Conference. Um, there is uh, Tom Schnitzler, not Zach Schnitzer, Tom Schnitz, uh, Schlitzer. Uh, <laughs> I'll get it. Holy Tom Schit- Schnitzler <laughs> of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, he played for the Saskatoon Hilltops. Uh, there are tons of guys across the CFL that come out of junior football. It's affordable. It's great football. Why are they playing at Eastside Eagles Field? They're putting in a brand new, beautiful turf field fence uh, lights, new work in the clubhouse. They put a new floor in. They got new facilities there. Uh, the field, the stands, it's going to be a great atmosphere um, a little bit later this season. But uh, go to riflesfootball.com. You can find more information in the video below uh, this Sunday, 1 o'clock. Get down to Eastside Eagles Field uh, if you're in the neighborhood or, or take the quick drive out there. Tickets are 15 bucks uh, and more information 
riflesfootball.com. You can find them on all the social media channels at riflesfootball as well. And when you're down there, checking it out in the video description, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, yeah. Ring the bell, you'll be alerted uh, when we go live. Of course, Chris, you won't be there, but Schnitz and I will be. Not Tom Schnitzler, but Zach Schnitzer. For game day after dark, following Thursday's game between uh, the Bombers and the Stamps. Oh, baby. You, you know they have that after-dinner drink. It's a, it's a very dark – it's supposed to calm me down as a German. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Hmm. Well, like Jägermeister? Jägermeister. That's what you need to have if you want to say that name. Come on, buddy. <laughs> have a shot of Jägermeister, and then you'll say that name yeah. perfectly. Well, Loose see, I was I was adopted. I got, I got German roots in my family, but I'm adopted, so it's not even like real, you know, blood and guts, but – yeah, I, I saw your family tree. There's a whole bunch of dogs peeing on it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Just kidding. I want you to get all upset. I mean, oh, come on, man. But hey, if I, I want to, I could. Do, I don't know if I, I could. I want to say one thing about this, though. You were talking yeah. about the receivers. There's a kid that I, don't, I we haven't talked about for a while, and I'm wondering if he, uh, what's the recovery rate on this kid is. But uh, Carlton, uh, uh, Agadosi. I mean, this mm -hmm. is a guy that had two great touchdown catches in the first game against Calgary. Uh, and so he hasn't been back since he got hurt on the ankle of practice, I believe, or in that no next game. So, I mean, I, what do you know about him? Well, how's he doing? I mean, you're the guy that you, you got all the feedback on these guys. Yeah. Uh, Carlton Agadosi was put on, he, he played that come in. That's the guy I think if yeah. Alex doesn't come back and this guy gets healthy, that's the guy they're going to put in there. I'm telling you right now. Well, it was that game in Winnipeg against the Stampeders when Ellingson came out of the lineup. Agadosi came in, had two touchdowns, including a super impressive one uh, against uh, Trey Roberson, who, by the way, is now on the, the Stampeders six-game injured list. But Agadosi was put on the six-game after that two-touchdown performance. So he's, what is he at? He's about at the four or five-week yeah, mark he, right now. So he might come... His leg, his ankle, his ankle got smashed up. But uh, but here's the thing, Chris. You know this as, as well as anybody. Just because you're on the sixth game doesn't mean you're going to be back after six games. It could be no, a ten week injury. It could oh, be a four week injury. Absolutely. We don't know. Well, you, so, and you talked about the depth, and they do have depth. But I'm just saying, him. I just want to I'm add his him. name to that list because obviously, uh, no, uh, no disrespect to a Greg McRae or a or Tavares Harrison. I would think that if Carlton was ready or Agadusi was was healthy, he'd definitely be the guy they put in a the lineup because I think this kid. Had a real bright future. It was very unfortunate that uh, he, you know, he had he, he came down funny on that ankle, and like you said, he's been on the six game for a while. And you're right; that, that doesn't mean he'll be back at six. Could be ten. Could be twelve. Could be earlier. Who knows? But uh, anyway, I just thought I'd tell you that as you as you posted up there uh, the injured list right now on the screen, which is good. So, Brandon Alexander, I don't expect him back anytime soon. Soon being a relative term, of course, but I just don't, you know, he's not practicing yet. He's not going to be back for Labor Day or the Banjo Bowl. That, that's kind of my uh, speculation at this point. Michael Couture broke his arm. He's out of his cast, still not practicing, but doesn't have the cast on his arm anymore. So that is a, a very positive sign. Of course, Greg Ellingson, as we mentioned, fresh Lee put on the sixth game, which does not bode well uh, for his availability uh, for the next oh. month and a half. Uh, Noah Hallett uh, working once again uh, with Brandon Alexander. Uh, you know, good workout buddies because they're both defensive backs and, and probably helping each other out. Percy Maston had season-ending surgery. Brendan O'Leary-Orange has been at practice, Chris, but uh, has not been working with the team. He's just in casual clothes watching on. Uh, he's been there for a while as well, so uh, not sure how uh, that'll shake out. Malcolm Thompson, 
uh, has only been on the sixth game for a couple weeks, but that's a huge hit to the Blue Bombers defense. Of course, Kyrie Wilson, uh, another one um, that uh, has been on there for a while and uh, does not look like he is uh, uh, practicing or, or working out in any of those, um, you know, close to return capacity. So that's uh, kind of a, a look at your, your injury report. Um, Which is good. But not, Which is good. Yeah. It I is overall uh, pretty good. I saw Kyrie was at the uh, the Alumni Association Wine and Cigar Festival thing or whatever they have. Uh, just you were night. there. Were you there? My parents oh. went and they said we don't know anybody here. No, you know, matter of fact, I'm not a I'm not a wine guy or a cigar guy. So I've heard I you know, wine plenty. I, I know they had cold beer, but I, I for me I have a hard time. Have you ever gone to these things where they give you a little? It's like a teacup of beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just it's just teasing me you know i can't i can't live like that man no well spe- speaking of that do you have your uh beautiful pilsner glass from the sportsvault.com i do right here matter of fact good it's, right here, it's not even empty look at this beautiful you've been, you been using you've been using it yes there, there you go look I, at I that that's nice that's that very nice. nice but thanks for bringing me a well, glass show, hold it up there hold it up i want to i want to show everybody hold it up there well you're supposed to bring me something to put in it yeah right right that's Look at really that. Nice. See? Very nice glass. A nice, and that's a man-sized glass. That's a nice glass. Mm-hmm. That you want. Yep. And if Chris oh. Walby says it's a man-sized glass, you know it's going to be man-sized enough. It's a good glass for that's you. Right. Thanks yeah. for uh, bringing uh, me the refreshments to put in, though. That was good. Check it Same out at thesportsvault.com. This is what we gave away on uh, uh, Bonfire Midweek this past week, Chris. Uh, nice. Beautiful freezable beer mug. You wanted this. I said sorry. It's going no, to I want, a I the other loyal ones. listener. Yeah, but- you have the small little ones that your mom even said, "Hey, like I like those." You know the little. Uh, yeah, the beer can shaped ones. They're really nice. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, don't yeah. Hey, don't don't talk about my mom. She was saying right. you wanted them. See that phone? That's Cody Fajardo. He's upset about the three, three uh, knee braces. Three knee. Yeah, well, He's a little angry at me right now. Right, right. Okay. Cody Fajardo calling Chris Chris Walby during oh, the yeah, show. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Okay, let, let's talk about Mark Leggio because, Chris, he obviously uh, sparked yeah. the ire of many Blue Bombers oh, fans yeah. coming out of that overtime loss against Montreal two weeks ago. Um, you know, said all the right things in the media, spent uh, his bye week both resting and working. Uh, but overall, it wasn't just one miss. It was the second that went off the upright in overtime yeah. that would have extended uh, the extra frame. Uh, your perspective now that you've had a week to digest during the bye, uh, where Mark Leggio stands, punting very well, missing critical kicks when the Bombers need him to hit. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got an angel on this shoulder right here who says, hey, listen, he's still at 83%. Uh, he's, he's 19 at 23, along a 48. And the devil over here goes, hold it, he's only got one dang job. Well, he's got two, he's got a punt. But he's got one job, and that is when you're inside that 30-yard line, it should be a no-brainer. I mean, obviously, to miss two close ones, uh, very tough. But I went on Twitter, and I defended the young man. Uh, I do believe he'll rebound. I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, maybe he was thinking a little bit too much. I mean, the first one, he just shanked. Shanked it terrible. And I know everybody's going, why didn't he kick it to the end zone? Well, obviously, he didn't think he was going to miss it. He was just punching it out. The second one, obviously, he tried to adjust because the first one went to the left. So he tried to make the adjustment, and he hit the right upright. So... Uh, you know, a bit of bad luck for the young man. Uh, obviously, uh, a terrible way to lose a game. It, it, it falls on him. There's no doubt about it. But as as Coach O'Shea says, if we have to rely on one play to win the football game, you know, maybe we have to look at all other aspects. But having said that, if you go to the Grey Cup, and I can still remember Montreal, 
And Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan thought they won the game. And they had too many men. The, the infamous 13 men on the field. And they allowed another another kick by Montreal and they won the they won the Great Cup. So I mean right. that's a thing. But so yeah. But I mean, yeah, listen, I I, I like Mark Leggio. I I do. Uh I'm reading all the um all the yeah, Twitter comments about Hiram uh, Lahu, who's just got released by Dallas. Uh, you know, what, what you don't, but these kids, you know, the ones who taste the big money, it's very tough to bring them back here. Well, if you're, if you're a kicker, it's not like being Chris Strebler and being a quarterback. If you're a kicker, you're one phone call away from playing in a game. You're one phone call away. Like you can sit there on Sunday and watch red zone and see kickers miss and be like, you know what? Philly might call me. Miami might call me. Oh, Kansas right. City might call. You know what I mean? Like, there, hey, hey, DB, there is no forgiveness in the NFL. Zero. You missed a couple. And ask he was Sergio Castillo. He was, he was ask actually, Sergio. Yeah, well, he's been playing well. Here, uh, I mean, Hyra Lahu was not playing well. In the, uh, not playing badly, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, he was hit, hitting the heck out of the ball. So they just went another way with another CFL kicker. And they brought him in. And, and uh, he won the spot now. But. Uh, I just think that right now, guys, and that's your point exactly. Uh, I watch all the time that a guy misses a kick, bam. Next thing, another guy coming in. And it doesn't cost him nothing to fly guys in. So do I expect to see Howard Laho back in CFL? No. Do I see him at another team? Yes. Absolutely. And especially when the season gets going and some guy struggles and misses two or three, bam, he's gone. The door opens another one. But, hey, good comment by Corey May. I think Legio is a really in the top one or two punters in the league. I like what he's doing. He's placing the ball extremely well, not allowing a lot of returns. So good point by Corey there. But uh, you mentioned a guy, and I'm going to go off a topic again because I'm like a pinball bloody machine. Chris Trevler. Yeah. It is so cool to watch two games. No kidding. And this guy is making plays. And to be called out by the head coach twice, just saying, hey, we this is a guy didn't have any snaps. In the first one, they threw him in the fourth quarter, led him to a game-winning yep. drive. Now he gets some snaps, comes in third quarter, leads him again, running the ball like old Chris Trevler can. You see him when he got around the corner, and I saw you picked it up, that uh, the old guy that used to play for uh, Winnipeg, was it Alford? Yes. He was supposed to try and tackle him. I missed him. And, yep. uh, and then the interception, him. the interception that Strebler threw, which was clearly not his fault, DeAndre Alford in coverage before the safety came over and just made an unbelievable play, ripping the ball uh, out of the receiver's hands. But you're right. Chris Strebler is, is Chris Strebler. He's opening people's eyes, not just in New York, but across the league for like the type of gamer he is, the things we know here in Winnipeg and in Canada about Chris Strebler, they're learning about now as he's a fourth stringer on a bad football team in the New York Jets. Not for long. Yeah, no kidding. The, the New York Jet fans are going, no. As soon as he comes in the game, people get excited. He's making things happen. This is a guy that I promise you will be at least third string. Uh, he's getting an opportunity, and he's making the most of it. I mean, obviously, like I say, with two post-game, uh, uh, you watch in locker room with the head coach of the New York Jets, and he points out Strebler again, saying that how good he was. And even in the press conference, talking about Chris Strebler. Yep. And we had the pleasure of watching him when in Winnipeg. We knew he was a heck of a runner. We knew he was a horse trying to bring him down, but he's throwing the ball extremely well. And I know yeah, that was he's one figured of our it knocks. out. That was he one of our knocks. He said, "Hey, yeah. listen, can the guy throw?" Well, he's answered that and more. I mean, he's throwing some nice darts. 
He's also got some great receivers down there too. But it's nice to see. And I think the Jets are playing the Giants on Sunday. So both 2-0. So those of you who want to watch and see Chris Trebler, tune in Sunday or else go to the Rifles game, baby. That's what you want to do. And if you if go. you I should mention, if you can't make it to the Rifles game, go to cjfltv.com. That's the Canadian Junior Football League, cjfltv.com. You might hear a familiar voice uh, on the play-by-play on Sunday. Um, I didn't know that either. Well, yeah. Well, like you used to do the games with me. Yeah, but I didn't. What know happened to those days? Well, is it a is it a YouTube video kind of thing or what? What is it? Or is it just yeah? It's an online like an online stream, and they got multi cameras. Like it's a really oh, really man. sharp broadcast. You can you can buy a season package and, and catch all the action, uh, all all the games uh, across the country uh, on that. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay Chris, I, I'm curious of your keys to the game for this matchup. Uh, We've talked about the quarterbacks. We've talked about the run game, both Calgary and Winnipeg, uh, the defensive matchup uh, in facing uh, Jake Mayer. And of course, Winnipeg coming off uh, a bye week and then their first loss of the season and probably not entirely on the kicker, but the kicker being um, a significant part of of why they didn't win Um, your keys. What's it going to take for Winnipeg to improve to 10 and one on the season and put Calgary far behind them enough for some comfort in the West division standings. Yeah. It's interesting to say that I know we usually do at the end, but I mean, it's uh it's one of the things, if you look at Calgary or what Calgary has done, their number one rushing team. That's so that's a huge thing, but there's another thing they're number one at, and that is average yards per first down. So they always put themselves in second and short second, as they call it, manageable. So for me, the bombers have to shut down the run game on defense. And I think they've got to take away, put him, put uh, Jake Mayer or Boleva, whoever is in at the game. They got to put him in second and long situations because you're going to see. And we saw an article already on Willie Jefferson and, and uh, you know Jackson Jeffcoat saying we're going to get some, we're going to get some sacks. It's one thing to get pressure, but we want the stats as well. And people go, well, what about stats? Well, stats, they don't really have a lot to do with it except for one thing: it's and year-end bonuses, and that's what it is. If you lead the league in sacks. If you get uh, 10 sacks in a year, there's always a, a bit of monetary uh, bonus. So I'd like to see that. For uh, for the Bombers offensively, I think it's the same thing almost. Uh, if you look at the last game they played, Brady Oliveira finally had a breakout game. 110 yeah. yards rushing, averaged 7.3. That Bomber O-line and him were working well together. As a matter of fact, I think he's averaging like six-something since the last three games. So I'd love to see Brady get involved again with the run game. And I think the bombers are the bombers are tight too. They got to stay on the field, got to stay on the football field. Can't get themselves a second along, and uh, keep giving Calgary, uh, you know, uh, uh, their offense opportunities to score points. Both these teams are like one and two as far as takeaways. So, yeah, it's a tough. I mean, they didn't have a sack on each other the last time they played. Both great offensive lines. Uh, it's going to come down to a handful of plays. They always say a handful of plays determines the game, and that's the truth, brother. Phyllis who's watching live on YouTube. She always brings it, but uh, mentioning this, Chris, this is why she loves the show. Chris Walby knows he's bang on with his advice every single time. Well, you probably would be. Uh, you've played uh, a lifetime nearly in the Canadian Football League. So yeah. uh, listen to Bluto, Blue Bombers, uh, says Phyllis. Thanks for watching as always. Everybody who's in the live chat uh, today, thanks for joining us live. If you're listening to this after the fact uh, on uh, the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for supporting. Head over to youtube.com slash bonfire sports uh, and like 
our videos, give us a thumbs up, comment, uh, or you can do this. Text the hotline, 204-816-TIPS. That's 816-8477. Call, leave a voicemail, text. I always text back. If you comment on the videos, I always respond. Uh, if you have a question, a comment, a hot take, we love to see it. Uh, so if you're not able to be in the live chat, you can still get engaged here uh, on Bonfire Sports. And uh, of course, you know yeah, go ahead, Chris. Good point there, but I just want to throw a little thing in here, a little, little thing. Maybe the bombers, if the bomber or front office are watching here, we lost a great sideline reporter, a great lady. Uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of faith in her, uh, in Sarah Oleski, Sarah, who went to the Jets. You should be doing the sidelines. You're at the bomber stadium all the time. <laughs> I, would, I, I, I think that yeah. you should be there. You're, 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 as, you're, you're in touch with what's going on in that football field as anybody. So that's just my little pump for you, buddy. Well, my TSN days are over for the time being, right? So uh, here's what I've seen. Britt Dort in Saskatchewan, uh, Claire Hanna, who also started in Saskatchewan, but uh, she's a Western Canadian. They've been doing fantastic work on the sidelines. Huge, huge shoes to fill uh, in Sarah's, but uh, wishing Sarah the best. I, I oh, talked about this on uh, on Bonfire Midweek last week, but um, she will be great. A huge asset Winnipeg has here, uh, not just as a professional and, and an outstanding polished reporter uh, and host, but just a great, great person. Uh, in my time working with Sarah, she always made it so easy, yeah. put you at ease. I was so green and young and nervous and she'd just be like, we got this. You want to do another take? No problem. Like it was, it was easy as pie with Sarah and uh, she's sweet as pie too. So, um, you know, going to miss her on the CFL sidelines. Uh, I'm sure she'll still be uh, popping by practice uh, now and then, but wishing her the best yes, in this next chapter last, with the Jets. Her last game is the Banjo Bowl. That's right. So that's right. Uh, if, I was at, if I was still doing the thing for Wade where I was doing the pre and the halftime show, you know, I'd be giving her a big shout out and I get the crowd. I, I, so hopefully whoever's doing that, if anybody's doing that, Somebody should give her a big shout out. And I hope the, the rec club recognizes what she's done. Oh, yeah. At the Banjo Bowl, because it's going to be sold yeah. out. And uh, I plan on What a great, that's what a game great game. Going to, man. Yeah, like it's sold out. And yeah. it's the Banjo Bowl. It's got that history. It's a regular season game in the middle of the season. Oh, yeah. But like, if that has to be your last game, middle of the season, great what game. a great uh, game for, for Sarah to, to uh, report on the sidelines from. Amen. So uh, looking, looking forward uh, to that. Chris, this is what I'm, I want to ask you as I pull up my uh, Blue Bombers schedule here for 2021. Uh, right. Still two bye weeks and three road games of the Blue Bombers' uh, eight remaining games this season. Uh, following this game against Calgary, they got the back-to-backs with Saskatchewan. What's that? 2022. Did I say 21? <laughs> no, I've, I've always been somebody I who uh, relished in the past. Get that Jagermeister going, brother. <laughs> Oh, I, I digress, and I'll take a shot of uh, of Jagermeister for that word I always like to overuse. All right, man, there you go. Uh, back to back against Saskatchewan will be interesting. It's the first two of three meetings uh, this season, and in the second half of the season between the Bombers and the Riders in Hamilton, home to Edmonton, uh, and then a back to back with BC. That's tough. Uh, I think I flipped those around, but uh, it is going to be a tough finish. Uh, Michael O'Connor presumably will be quite comfortable at that point. Uh, I have a lot of faith in him. A lot of people I've spoken with uh, in BC and beyond have a lot of faith in Michael O'Connor. He is a little bit more one or two dimensional 
compared to Nathan Rourke, who has multiple dimensions to his game. Uh, I think it'll be important for Michael O'Connor to keep things simple. Uh, they've got a very talented running back there in BC and James Butler. Uh, get him involved in the pass game. Obviously, pass protection will be important. But one of BC's real strengths, Chris, that I saw with Nathan Rourke is that often the O-line can make a quarterback look good. Oh, it was the sure. opposite. Oh, sure. It was the quarterback making the O-line look good. The way he was able to escape pressure, extend plays, uh, be off schedule, uh, roll out, break the pocket, step up in the pocket, find passing lanes. Uh, and, and not just going to one, two, three, but going into four and five in his receiver progression, eyes downfield for 24 and, and everything. You, you talk all day about Nathan Rourke. Uh, and his skill set, but he's made that BC O-line look really, really good. And that was kind of the, the question mark going into this season. This BC Lions O-line has been pretty bad for the last three, four years, like the Devon Claybrooks days, right? Uh, yeah. They weren't much better in 2021. And there they are this year, strong run game, making things happen with Nathan Rourke. Uh, will they carry a little bit more of the load without your number one guy and keep Michael O'Connor comfortable back there. Well, I'll say one thing they did, which is really good. And they brought in Kelly Bates, uh, an ex CFL offensive lineman who, who's coached at the university down there. I believe he was at SFU or, or UBC and they made him the O-line coach. And it was almost immediate. The, the way they improved, they started to improve. I think he's got a good group of guys there. I think that uh, I don't think they're going to make uh, you know cut the package down for Michael uh, or Michael O'Connor. I don't think that. I think he's got a good grasp. He's a very intelligent young man. I think they're just going to say, "Here, let's go." Uh, obviously, as you said, I agree 100% with that. Nathan has the ability to extend plays with his legs. I watched him do a sidearm throw, aka Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, just a beautiful job of seeing. His eyes are always downfield. And the schemes that are running, I mean, obviously, when they had a, the, the receiver go to the left, they pull both guys in. Lucky Whitehead gets right behind him for the big bomb for a touchdown. They've got talent there. Brian Burnham, I mean, uh, uh, Keon Hatcher. They've got some talent, buddy. I'm telling you right now. And their defense is playing. But you actually said that when the last time they played, that you thought they had the best secondary, uh, the BC Lions. And I know they're yeah. very good. Damn but, good. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. You know what I want to talk about right now? You're taking now, you're taking the reins. The new guy who might be now was not the front runner, was the front runner at the beginning of the year, but now with Nathan out, might be the front runner again, Zach Kolaris, who has had two outstanding games versus the Calgary Stampeders. He did. I mean, six touchdowns, no interceptions, but, uh, averaged 72% of his passes. Uh, he he made it look easy against a Calgary defense that had a lot of their guys in. So uh, I'm looking for Zach to uh, continue with the success he had. Obviously, we got we we have not been stopped on third and one. I think Dakota Prukop as a short yardage guy is, as you say, a big strong running back. And yeah. it seems like a lot of the quarterbacks now are taking it to the outside. You know, they fake like to go in and they get around the outside and they're and they're hooking these guys in. So it'll be really interesting how they uh, handle that. I'm really curious to see what Jamal Parker does. You mentioned him. He's going to be the return guy. You know, a small little guy, 5'8", out of, uh, uh, where is he, out of Kent State. So can he fill Janarian Grant's shoes? I don't know. Janarian Grant's pretty uh, pretty amazing returner. So really but, is. Hey, you know, one door closes, another opens, right? And some guys make the most of that opportunity. 
Yeah, and you know, I don't think we'll see Jamal Parker in the Blue Bombers defensive secondary. He is listed as a backup behind uh, Dietrich Nichols. Uh, Demario Houston had missed uh, a practice uh, earlier this week. It, I believe it was listed as an illness, but he is good to go. Here's Patrice Rene, a Canadian that went to the University of North Carolina, uh, alma mater of Michael Jordan, of course, amongst many others. But um, in the football field, Patrice Rene, six foot two Canadian defensive back, has not made a roster yet this year. But it's interesting that they bring in three defensive backs uh, Tyrell Ford, the Canadian rookie, uh, Patrice Rene, another Canadian rookie, and then Jamal Parker uh, as well. Normally you'll see one, maybe two backups there. The Bombers are going to dress. Uh, three. And then, of course, here's a player, Chris, uh, that got a lot of press and talk uh, coming out of that loss against the Montreal Alouettes. Donald Rutledge Jr., who had the toenail clippers out uh, during the bye week. Uh, real tough moment there. Have you ever seen uh, a situation like that where an offside is game deciding and it's by that small of a fraction? It was his helmet. If you watch the replay again, it was his helmet over the line. And uh, actually, I thought Adam Big Hill handled it 100% by saying, listen, if they make the call, you got to live by it. You, know, you, know, you can't really go back and say no. Can you challenge it? If you look at it slow, the helmet's over the line. Is, and then I saw somebody posted a Montreal-Hamilton game, and the helmet was over the line, didn't call it. So it's so subjective. And it's Well, here, here's, the, here's the thing, Chris. We, I sought clarity on this. Everybody in the media here was trying to see clarity on this. It was the toe over the goal line that ruled him offside. The helmet is not supposed to be in that neutral zone, but they will let that go. In Hamilton, where it was not called, you look at his toe. His toe is over the line, but it's over the backside of the goal line. Donald Rutledge Jr.'s toe was over the front side of the goal line, which is the goal line right? You have yeah, to well, break okay. that plane. Okay. So gonna, full clarity there. Just, I'm gonna just agree to keep to you in check. That's like saying I could put my helmet like in the NFL. I could put my helmet right across and I could be at two yards over the line because well, they don't have a neutral line. zone. They don't have a neutral zone. Well, whatever they have. I mean, they I'm just saying, I'm saying in here. the C- in the CFL, they will let the helmet over the line go. Cause oh. it's kind of, it's in the, it's in the air. You're right? going to tell me now that that helmet could be over the line and I could be right by Pat Newfell's head and say, but my hand's back here, but my helmet's here. And you're going to say, that's not offside? Come on, buddy. They have offside. discretion, right? Well, that's why I said. It's discretionary, but it's a discretionary call, and I didn't like the call. But it's a terrible way to lose a game to give them an opportunity to come back. But that's football. Listen, yeah. Bombers have been getting a lot of breaks going the other way, their way. This is one that went against them this that's time. Great. Obviously, yeah. you tie it in with the two missed field goals. Uh, you know, did they deserve to win? No, I don't look at the old line. Do you think the old line played good last week? I love this old line we have in the Bombers. Do you think yeah. they played well? No, I don't think they play. I don't think it was their Mike Moore. Mike Moore pushed them around. Mondo, uh, Mondo yeah. And that was the guy that I said they should go after. I said that to, on the podcast. Let's go after 44, Mike Moore. Well, guess what? He showed me up, made me eat the crow. But uh, yeah, the, I, I just think the old line, maybe they were tired, maybe they're beat up a little bit. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons they dressed uh, Tamoya Machino getting a chance. Right. Uh, was they got seven old linemen now. So it's kind of well, cool when you think about this. is a Well, guy that's I, the I, thing. That extra DB and now that extra offensive lineman. Normally they would just dress uh, Liam Dobson. Liam Dobson uh, the only guy. Right. So, well, let me ask you this, Chris. 
Stanley Bryant, and like, look, all due respect, this guy is a Hall of Famer. He's right oh, there with you. For, for, he, first ballot. Yeah. I like, I always, I tell Stanley, I'm like, Walby's the greatest offensive lineman in CFL history. Stanley, you're the greatest American offensive lineman in CFL history. Same with Jamarcus Hardrick. Excellent player. Pat Newfeld. These guys are, these guys are great players. However, they're not exactly spring chickens anymore. Could you see that that age potentially being a factor in why after 10 straight games, they had a bad game? Well, I, and listen, I'm going to, yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, they gave up some sacks, gave us some pressures, they gave us some hits. I think it was the hits that disturbed more. Uh, but having said that, yeah, there's probably, a, you know, the 10 games, or maybe they were thinking about the buy. Maybe they weren't hundred percent clued in or tuned in. But having said that, as far as the age thing, no, uh, old lineman, if you take care of yourself, you can play. I played to my last year I played was 40 years old. I was 40 and still made an Eastern all-star. I mean, that's and that was shit. in the nineties. That's like 40 year olds didn't play back then. You no, did. I know. I know. And I always get, I almost try to come back for 40, my, my, uh, uh, 17th year, I was going to come back, except I went to CBC. Probably smart. Tom, who you're like, you're the, you're the original goat legend, like being oh, able no, to play no, into no, your forties. That's unbelievable. Guys that I grew up watching, uh, Johnny Bonk and play with Johnny, Nick Bristaya. And then you go back in my, the era, uh, Bill Frank, uh, a lot of guys that played way in the, in the fifties and sixties who were just studs. So, I mean, I think they take, there's much more notoriety now than there mm-hmm. was back then. Uh, but I love the guys and the mentality back then. Think about these guys. They practice at old Packers field. They all worked in a, they all worked in a meat packing plant after that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It was a tough life. You know, they weren't making a ton of cash. and uh, But more so than the no, NFL back then. Yeah, they That's were. That's why they came up. Right. But I'll That's say why this. why they came no, up. I think it was just, I just think it was an off game. I think it was an off game for the guys as a team. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times if the back doesn't pick up a guy, we'll blame the O-line. But it could have been the back who has to fill up and pick up the linebacker. Or the quarterback holds on to the ball a little bit too long. Now, do they have their work cut out? And great. Thank you for putting this up here. Sean Lemon and Mike Rose. My God, did they have a game last week? Those two guys, mm-hmm. uh, two sacks apiece. Sean Lemon is now in the top 20 all-time quarterback sack category uh, for the CFL. Uh, Hall just of Famer, it done. no question. So, I mean, he can get it done still. Everywhere he goes. Derek, Derek Wigan is a, a very, very good Canadian defensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, Ormalade had the pick six uh, a couple weeks ago for the Calgary Stampeders wow. athletic uh, at a Yemi Berglund, a young Canadian uh, defensive end, somebody that can uh, get things done. Uh, this is where I look though, Chris cam judge is playing oh, yeah. his best football of his career right now. A Canadian uh, out of the university of California, Los Angeles, UCLA Bruins. Um, but it's the back end that has a lot of people wondering What's happening here? Jamerson, new into the lineup. Williams, uh, Moxie, one of those guys that uh, has been able to uh, get back to health and and will start where Trey Roberson normally is. Brad Muhammad has played excellent this year. But the Calgary Stampeders injured list uh, took a huge, huge hit this past week. Linebacker Jameer Thurman on the sixth game. Titus Wall, who was in the running with Dalton Schoen for most outstanding rookie in the league this year. Their dimebacker, he's on the sixth game. Injured list. Uh, Fan favorite Tom Schnitzler. Oh yeah, there he is on the sixth game. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) their fullback. Uh, But Trey Roberson, their starting center, all-star Sean McEwen, uh, uh, Brandon Dozier. They've taken a lot of hits. 
to their roster and they've been playing uh, well enough through it, but it's Titus wall. Uh, that is a, a, for me, Chris, the biggest change from last week uh, to this week, um, as you can see here, him and Mills, the defensive two defensive backs right there uh, that are out of the lineup this week, getting Kadeem carry back is nice. Getting Malik Henry back is nice, but these two hits on the defensive side in wall and Mills, uh, and then you add in Jameer Thurman, uh, who's uh, still on the sixth game. Uh, Cal- Calgary is reeling a little bit in the health department. But it's interesting because if you, if you go on the Calgary Stampede website and you can talk to the DB coach, Dwayne Cameron, he was very impressed with uh, Jamerson, uh, the guy to play the, the Natrell, uh, first-year guy out of Wisconsin State at the cornerback position. They like, uh, obviously, Dave Dickinson was waxing poetic about Eli Buka. Just the mm-hmm. way this kid's playing. He said, this kid's a natural. He's going to be really good in the league. Well, he's so a Canadian, they, uh, but he, he played in the NFL. He was in the NFL for a while with the Arizona they, Cardinals. I believe he was with Saskatchewan for a, a bit, too, if I'm not mistaken. They, they drafted him, yeah. that's Okay, I knew somehow there. Uh, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting. It's funny when I think about that, and I think about um, you know our D-line, and I think about their D-line, and getting after uh, Jake Mayer and obviously Bo Levi. And obviously I talked about this the last time we played that uh, one of my good friends, Mark Mueller is the quarterback coach. And I, I really, usually he phones me when he comes into town. Hey, you want to go for a couple of Coley's? Well, this time nothing, you know, so obviously they want to keep everybody hush hush. Uh, his dad, Larry Mueller is a good friend, obviously a big, big uh, Saskatchewan rough rider, uh, mm-hmm. board of director guy, but uh, Mark Mueller with the quarterback coach, uh, you know, he's got a lot on his plate working with uh, Dave Dickinson to find out and make that tough decision. Cause come on. So this is a huge change when you pull a starter out of bow and make him sit. I mean, he may play. Don't worry. I, I got a feeling we're going to see Bowley. I'm just, this just my gut feeling, but Jake Mayer, the way he plays, I mean, he's 81% passing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he hasn't thrown a ton of balls and he hasn't thrown a touchdown. He has one interception, uh, but he makes good decisions. And I mean, obviously he's won games and uh, you hit a very a cool part. I was at that game when he went 16 for 16 and I think they lost by two points. Right. And if I do remember, they threw a deep ball and I thought we got away with a pass interference at our goal line that might've changed the outcome of that game. But you know, that's one of those things. Right? Alexander, yeah. 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 So didn't get the call, but Hey, listen, that's in the past. That's why this game is so exciting. Six and three Stampeders, you know, the nine and one bombers. I agree with you hundred percent. The bombers, they, they, you have, even though they got the cushion, you really know that they don't want to go lose two in a row. Well, they've so like the, the two blue bomber wins over Calgary, both at McMahon and here at IG field, they're seven point wins. They're yeah. one score wins. That's one play that made the difference in the game. So it's important to remember just because Calgary six and three in Winnipeg was undefeated until a, a tough loss and the kicker, this or this against an Eastern team. Fine. Uh, these two teams are, are much more evenly matched than a lot of people are giving them uh, credit for. I do want to mention a couple things uh, before I put the Stampeders depth chart away. Coker comes in for Julian Good-Jones at right tackle. Uh, Derek Dennis uh, remains, of course. Zach Williams, the pride of Transcona. Manitoba Bison and uh, Winnipegger uh, continuing to start uh, and play extremely well uh, at left guard. Um, But on the note of uh, offensive line, Chris, uh, Roy Shroud, who's watching live on YouTube. What's your call on the Blue Bomber center situation uh, with 
Um, Michael Couture out with a broken arm and, and not ready to, to return yet. It has been Chris Kolinkowski on the Blue Bombers offensive line. Uh, some are saying he's undersized. I don't think he's much, much, maybe an inch or two, maybe an inch shorter than Michael Couture, but same build and size. Uh, what have you seen from him uh, after a couple tough games against Mike Moore and Armando Sewell in the Alouettes? I think he's growing as an offensive lineman. I think he's going to be fine. I think this is a guy that's come in and no, he's not undersized six. You don't want to center a lot. And I remember uh, I watched one game. It was Edmonton Eskimos and oh, now the Edmonton Elks. And they had a guy, uh, O'Donnell, 6'11", and they t- made right. him take some snaps at center. 6'11". I mean, you don't have to even bend down to put your hands under that guy's butt. It's right in your face. So, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> So I think Chris Konowski at 6'1", 309 pounds. A kid out of York is doing really well. Listen, it's really tough. and Not not many players can come in first year and get thrown to the wolves and come in and not miss a beat. Yeah, there's some struggles. But do I think this kid's going to be all right? Absolutely. I think this kid's got a good future. Yeah, uh, third year out of York, as you mentioned. 6'1", 309. I think that'll do just fine uh, for an interior uh, offensive lineman, but, uh, the blue bombers offensive line, uh, is intact, uh, of course, without, uh, their original starting center. Uh, very interesting. I find it, Chris, that they're bringing in, uh, Tomoya Machino, uh, a global from Japan, um, into this game. They, they didn't take a, uh, a global out. So it's not like they needed to add a global player. Uh, they still have, um, Tiadric Hansen and, uh, Les Maruo, uh, at defensive end and linebacker. So why bring in Tomoya Machino? It makes you wonder if Pat Newfeld, who missed a lot of I, practice yeah, this I week, uh, Stanley Bryant, potentially, like somebody's ailing. Yeah, it's interesting you do that. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's what it is. It's just a safety measure right now. I'm trying to think of a guy, and I, I, I'm going to go off board again, as I always do. He was a goalie for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, a beer rep and he hung around the bombers all the time uh and he just passed away unfortunately great guy oh. really liked the guy um and i wish i could remember his name but he uh he actually we we're talking about weight and i came to training camp one year and i'd never met this young man before it wasn't a young man he was older he said he pulled me aside and he goes i'm the new o-line coach and i go what he goes i'm the new o-line coach and uh, you're too heavy i need you to drop 20 pounds in the next two weeks or we're going to have to make some changes. So I go and I'm eating, I'm eating more cell than a rabbit. What, what phase scared. of your career was this? Oh God, this is probably year 12 or 13. Wow. And so he goes, yeah, you got to lose. Tw-. Then I come wow. back. I, well, hey, I, I dropped 10 pounds. I go, wow, that's the best I can do, man. I mean, you can only eat so much rabbit. <laughs> and next yeah. thing I know, I go and I find out he's the Labatt beer rep. He wasn't even a coach. So seriously i'm serious if over two weeks i was eating more lettuce and everybody's going hey want some walls you want some beer? no no beer hey you want some chicken no chicken wings no just give me another bowl of that green stuff there oh yeah and that's yeah, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like he was negging you into drinking labat beer and, and helping well, him yeah, out. I, I think it was labat or it was montreal uh, uh or a, a molson like i think he might have been a molson rep i'm not sure but uh i'm huh. gonna try detroit red wings all-time goalies I want to see if I can see who it was. That's kind uh, well, of keep talking. Let's go. Why would why would he do that? That's kind of greasy, no? 
Yeah, man. Oh, man. I, I can't imagine. So you're, you're looking up uh, this number here uh, at this point. You know, I'll, I'll mention to everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Game Day Winnipeg. We're going to wrap up uh, in just a second here. Uh, but don't forget Game Day After Dark, uh, about 15, 20 minutes after the game. We go live here on Bonfire Sports. Uh, always uh, fun. It's by far our most popular program here on the station. So if you haven't checked out the post game uh, before, Check it out. Join in live. We always have uh, a ton of fun. And of course, uh, the Bombers play Thursday, but that is not the only football in the city this weekend. Sunday, 1 o'clock at Eastside Eagles Field next to Terry Sawchuck Arena on Concordia. The Rifles host uh, perennial contenders, the Saskatoon Hilltops. It is awesome football. $15 a ticket, free for those under the age of 18. That's a great if point, you can't. Yeah. If you can't make it down, cjfltv.com, and you can uh, watch your Winnipeg Rifles uh, all season long. They're expecting to make some big things this year, Chris. Well, I want to say one thing about that, and I love the fact that you mentioned the fact that kids under 18 are are, uh, admitted free because they're the future of football. Those kids are the future. And once you get them involved, some kids might say, I'm not really sure if I want to play football. Then I get to watch – you know, some of the guys, maybe they're older brothers, maybe they're nephews or cousins, and all of a sudden they get intrigued by the game and they fall in love with the game and they want to play the game. So to me, it's always great when you have young kids. And I think it's so good because parents are like saying, well, I don't want to, you know, pay $5 to take my five-year-old boy there or my seven-year-old boy there. So, you know, or even my 12-year-old boy. So the yep. fact that the rifles are allowing an 18-year-old uh, you know, uh, and under to come in free. I think it's a great move by the Rifles organization. I know the Edmonton Elks are doing the same thing in the right. CFL. They have the same scenario where they want kids to get involved because they are the grassroots of football, baby. Yeah, the Stampeders do it with uh, college kids. They have a special section uh, there for yeah. students. And then, of course, if you well, we haven't have been one. to a, you haven't been to a bomber game in a while. What's that? Bombers used to have one in the North they End used to. the old stadium. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. they still do have something, but you call the Bomber office and, and they'll give you uh, yeah. the latest lowdown on that. But if you haven't been to a Bomber game in a while, like Chris, I know you can attest to this. It is full of young people. Yeah. It is not yeah. an old stodgy atmosphere. Uh, last week against Montreal with over 30,000 in attendance, even earlier games this season with 25, 26,000. Uh, 27,000 in attendance. Like it is young. It is energized. It is a special, special atmosphere. Um, and there's lots of different ways to get to the games uh, as well with yeah. different park and ride and, and bike valet and uh, uh, the bus. There's, there's tons of ways to, yeah. yep. So, uh, the, you know, check it out. Leading. They're leading right now in the CFL. They have the best attendance right now per yep. game. And they got the sold out banjo bowl still, still to come. Yeah. Well, they got, so what, it's only going to earlier on the podcast. They got like 28,000, I think, or 27, 28,000 sold for, uh, for tomorrow night. For Thursday night, they were at 27.5 as of Monday or Tuesday. Oh, that's, that's perfect. They're gonna... So they're probably over 28 now. And they usually yeah. sell, like, you know, my, my spies tell me they usually sell a thousand plus walk ups. Yeah. Yeah. On, on that final day. So uh, get your tickets now. Uh, yeah. And if you can't uh, can't make it to the bomber game and you just want to watch it, uh, check out the post game here on Bonfire uh, and uh, get to the rifles game Sunday I, one o'clock. If I'm Hilltop. back Sunday, I may just I may I you know it's right around where I live now, so it is. I, yep. I may very well uh, take in that game. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I'll probably have to sneak in. 
you know, I'll wear my, I'm going to wear my Darren bombing a uh, bonfire. Oh, I don't have a shirt. Sorry. Okay. Mm. I can't wear that, but yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. I'll just, I'll gladly pay the $15. I wonder if do they take empties. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out for you. All right, brother. Uh, listen. Sorry. Uh, just, just want to remind you riflesfootball.com. Uh, and then all the, on all the social channels at rifles football. Uh, but this was fun, Chris. Always a pleasure, DB. Oh my God! I told you I got this guy who wants me to golf on the tournament. No. Anyway, I'm gonna. I'm Tough excited. life, eh? Tough I'm, life. No, I can't golf. I can't. My calf is still messed up or my ankle. So what I'm gonna do now is I actually wanted to go to the game tomorrow, but I gave my tickets to my son and his wife and my two grandkids. So Levi, who is five, and Sawyer, who is two, my granddaughter, are so excited to go to the bomber game. I actually phoned the bomber store nice. today and ordered two jerseys. So nice. and not Mikawasis, mine. So. No 77s, just 63s. No. You know how many times I've got Mikawas jerseys? My God. <laughs> I, Stan never phones. I got a phone. It's humiliating. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I got to get hey, going, boys. Chris, get out here? thanks so much for joining. Yeah, I just want to mention SIA.com slash bonfire. There is tons of value there. Uh, go to that link. Help support uh, Chris, myself, and Zach here on Bonfire Sports, uh, and you'll get a nice bonus there as well okay now i can dismiss you pupil sir uh but thanks and uh enjoy the game on thursday yeah I, I think it'll be great man that'll be a good thing we're gonna be watching the games go bombers i think uh 10-1 sounds good it'll be a close game and that's what you want i want a close game i love football i don't like blowouts i mean i'm with think you about there. it a blowout's like blowing a tire on a highway never a good thing <laughs> All right, that's my analogy for today, and I say to you now, goodbye, good luck, and God bless.